we have to keep reforming to keep the relationship there and the love and the connection there puts a lot of pressure on us. Why the psalmist repeats this refrain is that our God, the creator of the universe, the God that Christians celebrate and proclaim, is that his love and his pursuit of us to show us good and mercy, even when we're not always good, is something that will last forever. Or for human beings, it doesn't last forever. We reach a point where enough is enough. And so that's why this chesed, this, this merciful pursuit of love, even in our worst moments, we have a God who pursues us. Welcome to The Search Podcast, where we have conversations about the big questions of God and life. All right, it's Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving week anyway. I'm joined by Bill Finley, Search Raleigh Area Director. Bill, thank you so much for being my guest on the podcast. So glad to be here with you this uh, week before Thanksgiving, and I love this holiday, Blaine, and I am even more thankful because I get to be with you this morning. Well, I am uh, very thankful to be with you as well, Bill, and I'm looking forward to this podcast. This is going to be a little different. Let me set it up. A little more a little more lighthearted. So we've just come off a, a three-week series with Dr. Kreider on who is God, deep theological. A lot of stuff we do on the podcast is just uh, it's pretty heavy, heady stuff, right? Um, this week, Bill, you're going to talk about something that's very relevant to Thanksgiving, the idea of being thankful and Thanksgiving. And what does, what does the Bible say about Thanksgiving? And, and before we really get into all that, uh, so for, for people who don't know, you and your wife, Cindy, have a rather large family. You've that got do. seven children. Yes, yeah, seven awesome children. Yes. Uh, I've met many of them. They are awesome. And I would bet with an amazing family like you have that y'all have some serious family traditions for Thanksgiving. We do. We're only going to probably have three or four of them in for Thanksgiving. Small crowd this year um, with some spouses <laughs> thrown in and, of course, our dog. Yuri, a golden doodle. But yeah, we you love look, that. Fun. So you do you want me to keep it in the podcast that you have a golden doodle? Or do you want oh, me to I edit that proud. out? If you saw her, you would love her. I she, just saw her. I was just at your house. I know. And you you fell in love with her. So yeah, I was always a big dog type of man. And um, we had golden retrievers and I loved big dogs, but we wanted a dog that didn't shed um, because they shed a lot, golden retrievers. And uh, yeah, she is beautiful. Her name is Swahili for beautiful, and she is that. So I'm okay with it, Blaine. I'm not ashamed. I am thankful for her, um, which is getting us back to some of our family traditions as we were talking about. So before I get to it, I'd love, what was like yours? What was some of yours growing up, your favorite family traditions? Uh, my favorite family traditions. So we we would go uh, we would go to my extended relatives for, for Thanksgiving. Um, and typically we would go to my dad's side of the family, which which all of his family is in the Albuquerque, New Mexico area. So I grew up in Seattle, and so some of my favorite memories are actually driving from Seattle to Albuquerque with my my family and spending spending Thanksgiving in New Mexico. I love New Mexico. Um, just it's I think it's it's just an amazing state. So. Thanksgiving in New Mexico is definitely definitely a highlight for us. Yeah, that sounds like a great, great memory. For me, I remember great football games. I'm a sports fanatic, 
And of course, since we are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, um, big Dallas Redskins game every year. I would love um, pulling for them, Roger Stallback, Tom Landry, and all those great Dallas uh, teams. Big shout out to our search Dallas staff. Um, Go Cowboys. Hopefully they can pull through this year. And um, and then great food, turkey, um, stuffing, gravy, all those things. As I get older, I can't eat quite as much cranberry and, of course, all the pies and, and then family. And so the same thing. My wife is great at spreading a table and just hospitality. And we just have so many great memories and even some from up in New England when I studied there uh, pursuing a master's degree. Um, it would snow sometimes on Thanksgiving, and just that is a great way to celebrate Thanksgiving. So it sounds like you and your family like to just have a lot of fun on Thanksgiving. We love to have fun on Thanksgiving. So what? What's the deal? Uh, sound like Seinfeld. What's the deal with? Uh, what's the deal with? So what's? The, <laughs> I can't even say it. No. So. A lot of people have the perception of Christians that we're just not a lot of fun. And Bill, come on. It sounds like you're having a whole lot of fun A whole lot of fun, but I'll be honest, um, before I became a Christian in college, that would have been my exact perspective. Um, it was part of the, the barrier for me of, of coming to faith, becoming a follower of Jesus. I had a lot of misconceptions. We'll talk a little bit about that later in this podcast, about who Jesus was, what Christianity was, but I thought they were anything but fun and boring for sure. And God, Jesus, that was totally a boring thing. I equated it with sort of my childhood experience of um, a religion in the Christian faith. And that is not um, the perspective that uh, that the Bible has of Christians and even Jesus, the founder of the Christian faith. Uh, as a matter of fact, Thanksgiving, Blaine, um, you may have heard some of this story, but the, the whole founding was off of a party. Um, 1621 uh, group of people that had come over from the old world, that is uh, Europe. Um, they had come into Massachusetts, Plymouth, Massachusetts on the coast, and uh, they had had their first harvest. And for them, it wasn't like, are we going to have a lot of extra food? This, they didn't go to Whole Foods for the turkey and any of their food. It had to be coming off their fields, and they had to hunt it down. And so they had their first harvest, and um, there were Native Americans that helped them in the gathering of that first harvest and to survive the first winter. For them, it was life or death. And so that harvest was about survival for them. And so they had this great feast, a, a Thanksgiving feast. And since they were people uh, of Christian faith, they were giving thanks to God. So the idea of partying and celebrating, there wasn't football yet, as we know it, American football, I guess we need to say after Ted Lasso. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so there were people of partying. Um, and just it was a great time of celebration and feasting. And then the actual national holiday, some people may know this, um, was in a, a time of great division and turmoil, which I think speaks to the time in which we live. We're in the middle of a pandemic, um, tremendous, whether it be on racial lines or political views, division in our culture. And that's when this proclamation actually became a national proclamation and a holiday um, set in place by our, our president at that time, Abraham Lincoln. And so it speaks to us at feasting times and great seasons of our life, and it speaks in those lowest of times. And it was Abraham Lincoln rooted it in the Christian faith and heritage in our nation. And so it's, it's, it's a great um, time um, that I think Christians should be the biggest party people because they have so much to celebrate and, and watch football, of course, and eat good food. <laughs> so 
what does the Bible say about Thanksgiving? We, like I said, we 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 tend to tackle these these bigger, headier kind of topics. This is a little more light, but the Bible teaches a lot about very practical things too, doesn't it, Bill? And it talks a lot about this idea of gratitude or, or Thanksgiving. So, what does it say? Well, the, if I'm out there and I don't know a whole lot about the Christian faith or the Bible, I'd be asking, where in the Bible does it say have a national holiday? Um, called Thanksgiving, and that America to be a you know a Christian nation or whatever perspective people have on that, they need to out of this verse celebrate Thanksgiving. That's actually not true. There's not a command to have in America a holiday, eat turkey, etc. Um, but the idea of Thanksgiving is deeply ingrained all the way throughout the Bible. And maybe the best way, um, Blaine, that I can help us think through this is. Um, by looking at um, a psalm from the Old Testament. And the Psalms is a whole book of songs um, that were for all different types of occasion. And there's one, um, Psalm 136, that deals with this very topic of Thanksgiving. Yeah, let's take a look at it. What's it say? So in Psalm 136, um, if you look at it, it's like written in poetical form. And, well, you're a songwriter, um, and so you understand you're, you're writing lyrics and verse by verse, you would sometimes have a chorus. And it's an interesting song because it's almost like the chorus is every other line. And I'm not going to go and read through every line of the psalm, um, but I um, want to just start with the beginning part of it. And the very first part of the psalm begins this way. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his love endures forever. And that's almost like a chorus that goes through every other line. It goes again, give thanks to the God of gods, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his love endures forever. And it's this repeated refrain, every other law, line is his love endures forever. And one of the things when you're looking at the Bible is some people will tell me, hey, that are like out in the marketplace, this is what we do a search. We meet people that are far from God, that have questions, may be skeptical, and we help them think about how do you even interpret what is this saying, what's it mean? And one of the things I'll uh, speak to adults in the marketplace is that when you see things that are repeated, it lets you know that there's something really important. And so one of the main ideas that you want to get out of this psalm, Psalm 136, is that God's love endures forever. And um, But the, before that, the main idea of this whole uh, passage in Psalm 136 is give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And I want to highlight two things for this. Give thanks to the Lord. Now, this word Lord actually in the original language, this is written in a language called Hebrew, is actually a different word. And it's the personal intimate name for God, which was Yahweh. So it really would read this way, give thanks to Yahweh for he is good. And it was shifted. And when the Jewish people would read this, because the name of God was so personal to them, and honored that they wouldn't even say it out loud. And um, and why I want to mention that is they want to give thanks to somebody that's not a distant, far-off God, a God that is just up in the skies and a God who is a God to be feared, but they don't know anything. They just have ideas about him, and they go through religious rituals. But the psalmist wants us to give thanks 
because God is personally known. And why I mention that is that the whole psalm is giving you different facts and evidence of how they, as the Jewish people, experience God actively working in their lives in very difficult times and in good times, which became the basis for their thanksgiving. And particularly, they were giving thanks for this last little phrase, give thanks to Yahweh, the personal God we know, for he is good. And Blaine, this is sort of the real heart of what the Christian faith is about. It's answering this question, can God be trusted? That's what the word faith means. Do you, can you put your trust in God because he is pursuing good for you? It's back to that question you were talking about earlier. You know, do Christians really want to have fun? Are Christians people that can party? Are Christians people that celebrate? Or are they just dour-faced people that are always judging and condemning people? And the psalmist wants us to start off by saying, we are partying. And we are thanking our personal God we know because he is good. It's really, really fascinating, Bill. And, you know, you think of that question of of people who just have the misperception that Christians aren't any fun. Part of it is because there are some Christians who aren't any fun. Uh, I had the same, you know, impression as you did growing up. And uh, still, today, I would say it's not like everybody you meet is uh, the most fun person in the world. Although... It sounds like we we ought to be some of, if not the most thankful people that are on the planet if everything we believe is true. I had a question about this psalm yeah. for you. So the phrase that's repeated, the second part, for his love endures forever. Is this, uh, is this hesed? Is this the word for love? Do we know? It is. Can you unpack some of that for folks as well? Because I think that it, it really is instructive about the character of God. So let me set the framework and come back and answer that question last, because it'll okay. make so- sense once we set up the framework of why that reframe and accentuating the love of God or the chesed of God and what that actually means. So the way he frames it up, like in the very first three verses, um, give thanks to God for he is good, which is a question I, I encounter in the marketplace that many people have, and that is, is God good? I'm going to f- say it in a, in a different way. Is God pursuing my happiness, my goodness, what will really give me fullness of life and peace and contentment? Because I think that's what all people are looking for, whether it be from a new car, a new house, um, you know, a, a, a lot of vacations, looking good, having people say good things. We want to feel fullness of life. And, um, the, and the question is, is there a God and can you know, the, the, the God of the Jews and the Christians, is he the one that will bring us goodness? And the answer from the psalmist is yes, but not just because the Bible says and just believe it, but he then goes and cites evidences again and again throughout Jewish history of why God can be trusted that he is good. And then we're going to see that's why we can know that he loves us. But you have to ask the question, is he good and for my very best good? Which is, I think, a great definition of love. Somebody is pursuing the very best good for our lives. And so the framework is it sort of starts in the first three verses and says he's good, which is a whole introduction. Therefore, you can trust that his love endures forever. And we'll come back to that phrase. And then in the beginning of verse 4, it begins to unpack evidences from the history of the Jewish experience of how he had shown goodness to them. And, and for them, it was even before they existed as a people, it goes all the way back to the creation of time. And this next section, it begins with this word, um, 
this phrase in verse 4, um, give thanks to God, to the one who performs magnificent, amazing deeds all by himself, and you got to ask what amazing deeds, and then you see what they are. He makes the heavens. He spreads out the waters of the earth. He, he made the great lights, the sun to rule by day, the moon by stars, and well, that should bring back to you, if you've read the Bible, an old story from the Bible. Blaine, do you remember what that's alluding to? <laughs> I'm going to go with the creation story. The creation story, Genesis 1, which is the very first part of the Bible, which says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so what this songwriter, it could have been like Blaine, is doing is trying to cast a picture to say, I am calling all of God's people to give thanks to him as our personal God, Yahweh, that we know because he's good. And let me remind you the good, how we know that he's good. There's evidence in here. Let me stop before I go to the creation and we go through these three different evidences he gives in the rest of the song is it's a phrase that um, I learned in search that I really love. And there's this idea for um, people out there, some Christians believe this, but definitely as I talk with skeptics and doubters out in the marketplace, they have the idea that faith is called to have faith in Jesus and to trust Jesus and God and, and surrender our lives to him is a step or actually a leap into the dark. Have you ever heard that phrase before, Blaine, that you know, as you talk with people out there, it's a leap into the dark? Absolutely. Well, one of the things I love that Search does is to say, no, that's not actually a biblical idea. It's not rooted in the Christian faith because as you look throughout the Bible, God himself and, and the writers of these different books are saying it's actually a, not a leap into the dark, but a step into the light. And the light is, for the Bible, evidence. Look it, check it out. And so Christians should be the one to say, check out what science has to say. Check out the evidence and don't just blindly believe in God and specifically believe in Jesus, but check it out, which is, of course, what a lot of our podcasts here are at Search. And if you haven't looked at some or listened to some of the previous podcasts, take a, ch a chance to check them out in the new podcast that we have, which is... The Questioning God podcast, yeah, right? Yeah, the Questioning God pa podcast has been so helpful, and friends of mine that are are, are are checking it out, but they're very skeptical, they're very scientific. This podcast has been so helpful to them, and for me as well, to see that there are really strong facts and evidences to check it out. So one of the evidence, the first one of how we can have evidence that God is good, and, and it's a ground of our gratitude that God's goodness, we can know that He is, is because He acts in our lives specifically for everybody, look at the world around us. Like we had the chance this summer with our staff to be out in Jackson Hole. Now, if you haven't been to Jackson Hole, the whole part is this whole valley that sits at the, the base of the Grand Tetons. You were there, Blaine. What did you think? Uh, it's unbelievably beautiful. Yeah. It is just, it, it takes your breath away. And I've heard people talk about it. I've traveled in Europe. I've been in the uh, Austrian Alps. I've been in St. Lucia. I've been in some beautiful places, but this place just you want to just shout to somebody to say, thank you for making this place. <laughs> it's special. And when you when you look at this psalm too, Bill, it goes through the history of, of Israel, right? And just key markers. And it's fairly chronological, right? And I'm almost thinking as you're saying it that a great application point for us if we're thinking about, okay, what does it have to do with me is just uh, think through your life. Think through your life no matter what you believe. Whether you buy all the stuff we're talking about here, you're still wrestling, thinking through it. Um, but think about, well, if there is a God, what, what's gone well in my life? What, what has God done starting with allowing you to, to be born 
and to live in an amazing place, amazing country even. Uh, there, there are just so many things to be thankful for even if there are things that have happened that haven't been ideal because that happens to all of us. But but there's a lot to be thankful for as we look back on our own lives. I think it's a great point, Blaine. It's actually a good segue into what we're going to do. So, And actually, you may not even be in a place. It may be too painful for you to go back and recount your story, which is a great great thing to do and sort of chart out some of your story and working through those painful parts of your story. But one thing you can do, I would encourage you to do sometime over the Thanksgiving holiday. It could be on the Thursday, the few days before or after. Do something that you may not have done in a while. Get outside of city lights and look up. We have a, a grandchild now, Blaine, um, that you know that I'm very enamored with. It is awesome being a grandparent. And one of the neat things that nobody told me that having a grandchild does for you is that you learn to recover the skill of wonder and amazement. And so we go on little walks with her, and she's just wobbling, you know, like the E.T. from the movie. And um, as we watch her walking, we see her notice everything in creation around her, a leaf, a berry. The leaves were falling out of the trees the other day, and she stopped, and she began to chase them and grab one and look at it. And I realized I just take leaves falling for granted, and then they get back on trees in the spring. We become adults. We become responsible. And the Bible, in multiple places, and particularly Jesus, says that we need to recover that childlike wonder. It's part of being fully alive and fully human. So God's good because just stop anybody no matter what your condition, can stop and go out and look at the stars, look at creation. So I encourage you, give thanks and celebrate that we have such a beautiful world. And then as you said, he then moves from the creation to go back to the story of Israel. And he takes it back to one of the most important events in the history of Israel. If you don't know the history of Israel, um, they were started by this guy named Abraham, and eventually they went into captivity, and they became slaves for 400 years in a foreign land. So they were an oppressed, enslaved people. That's, Blaine, that's a pretty bad place to be in, like you're talking about, even if you're in a really bad place. And I've had seasons in my life it was hard to sleep, seasons in my life where I really struggled with darkness and discouragement, and I, it was hard to look ahead and believe that I could have hope. And so that's a type of situation that they were, were in. And the psalmist is saying, remember when you thought that we would be slaves forever. Perhaps you've lost a job. Perhaps you've lost a marriage. Perhaps you have lost a child or I have people in the marketplace right now, a, a, a friend of mine who had to put his child in a treatment facility. And you and I have friends that, um, that are struggling. They have a grandchild that just had an accident and is in the hospital in a really difficult situation. If you were there... The psalmist is speaking to you this Thanksgiving, not to say, act like it doesn't exist. Just smile and be thankful and say it's good that these bad things have happened. The Bible never says that. The Bible doesn't say to say suffering and bad things that have happened to you are good, but they affirm that you can still give thanks, even in a darker situation, because God's going to be with you in that situation. And that's sort of these next verses, how the Red Sea was parted, and God rescued them from this incredibly powerful ruler and led them through the wilderness— and, and deliver, you know, deliver them. So the, this idea that God acted in the past in an event in their history in real lifetime, He's a true God that did a miraculous deliverance. Um, and then this last part of the psalm talks about He not only set them free, but then He is not only a great God of creation. 
He is a great God of rescue, and you may need a place you need to be in rescue. And the final portion is he's a great God uh, or a great giver of good gifts. Um, God led them into this land and defeated these very powerful kings, the Amorites and the king of Bashan. And you can read in the Old Testament history, like in Joshua and the book of First and Second Kings and Chronicles, details. These are real stories. And we don't have the time in the story to look at archaeology and the evidence of the 20th and the 21st century that has proven that these were real peoples and that these things actually happened. But I think you get to the end of this, and it's what you were just talking about, that looking back at your own life story, you may have some real low points, but the Bible would want to say that God is good and he is with you. And that takes us to our refrain. But before we go further and look at the chesed and the love of God, any questions, Blaine, comments? I don't think so, Bill. I think this is just you've done a great job explaining the psalm and given the context and i hope that everybody goes and actually reads it wouldn't take you very long to read it but no this is a great setup so uh so keep going so the idea of chesed is god loving us but it actually includes sort of this idea of mercy and that god loves us even when we're wayward i think we all know those times when we were children and we had really disappointed our, our parents. We had made a bad decision. We were afraid that they would come against us. And I know some of you grew up in, in unhealthy homes, but if in normal healthy homes, your parents would come in and they would show us mercy. They would forgive us. And it was knowing that their love was still there and that they were not going to reject us, even though we had done some really bad things. Um, and I'm sure, Blaine, knowing you, you've did some really bad things in childhood. <laughs> no, you were a good kid. You were a good kid. Oh, no. we uh, Yes, we all have things we don't want to talk about on podcasts. <laughs> we will not. Um, but this idea, I think, is that God is good. And one of the signs of his goodness, most particularly that the psalmist, and it's a basis of our thanksgiving, is that God is, his nature is to love in mercy, and that even when we act like enemies of him, um, I think we all have relationships in our life. I definitely do. A very close friendships that something happened, and it may have been you that caused it, that ruptured that relationship, and it never healed and repaired. And that love did not endure. And so that experience we have in human relationships that we have to keep performing to keep the relationship there and the love and the connection there puts a lot of pressure on us. Why the psalmist repeats this refrain is that our God, the creator of the universe, the God that Christians celebrate and proclaim is that his love and his pursuit of us to show us good and mercy, even when we're not always good, is something that will last forever. Or for human beings, it doesn't last forever. We reach a point where enough is enough. And so that's why this chesed, this, this merciful pursuit of love, even in our worst moments, we have a God who pursues us, and he loves, pursues us with love and mercy. That's, that's so fantastic, Bill. Thank you for, for sharing that. And I just want to point out to everybody, too, it's a very common thing to, to hear that the God in the Old Testament is super mean and bad, and then Jesus comes in the New Testament, and he's all mushy in love. And that is not true, uh, even a little bit, actually, but it's not true, and this is a great example of that. Uh, here's in the Old Testament a psalm where over and over, I mean, how God couldn't have been more clear to say it over and over, I am love, I am love, I am love. 
And so I appreciate you giving us a little more background on on that word because it's so it's so nuanced and and rich and it's one of the more important words in the whole Old Testament. It's found all over the place describing who God is. So let's let's take all of this, wrap it up, try to try to leave our listeners with a few points of application and, and relevance for them, Bill. So when you think about that, what what do you want us to be walking away with? Well, one of the things I've noticed over the past, and it's not just me, I think uh, we all have lived in these times of the pandemic. Um, and I, I think it's not just that we're in a pandemic, but just it keeps on lingering. It's like a bad cold that I have like one right now. And it just, it, you just can't shake it off. And the, so I've seen, particularly this fall, among some very successful um, business owners and managers and business leaders, just like a fog and a discouragement. There's an edginess. And maybe that's you today. You're experiencing pandemic blues. Um, in the midst of that, there's also just a group of people that I work with that are really going through some tough times. Multiple men in my groups are going through divorces that just jumped on them surprisingly, and they thought the relationship was doing fine. Others, they have kids that are struggling, and as a parent, you know, Blaine, that when your kids struggle, but particularly some of them, their kids, it's in their adult life, that it's really hard on a parent. I have several that have spouses that are dealing with serious health issues um, and some multiple health issues. Some, it's stress at work. I've, I've, I've encountered multiple men that have been asking the question around 40, 45, 50, what's my purpose? My work just, you know, I'm earning money, but why? And so there's just sort of this sense of just a struggle, like that Jewish people that were in slavery. And um, I think this season of Thanksgiving, particularly this message from Psalm 136, has a lot to speak to you because our ground of gratitude. The basis for, for Thanksgiving is uh, not because everything's going well. That is a wrong perspective um, that people have. And there's a story in the New Testament about uh, Jesus who I think takes a psalm and he personifies a psalm. And it's a story, a little teeny one about Thanksgiving in which Jesus is walking along and he encounters a leper. Now, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a religious holy teacher. He should have, the Jews believed that sickness was a sign of God's rejection of you or God's judgment on you. Um, and, um, and so a leper, they had rules that they had created that a leper, which is somebody who has a terrible de- disease that can be shared with you, not only had physical repercussions, like in the pandemic, we wore masks, we've stayed away from each other, but here it had spiritual implications, which is that their sin and their darkness and God's judgment could jump on you, so don't go near. So a holy man would stay away. Jesus does the opposite. He approaches in the same way we talked about God's love that endures forever. Well, we see it personified in Jesus. Instead of running from the leper to protect himself and to shield himself, he moves and brings God's power and his miraculous power and goodness to the darkness. This is the biggest, most difficult idea that I think I've found in the marketplace for skeptics to get. They, they, men learn, particularly men in the marketplace, learn to hide their darkest places, the places of shame. I, I met with a, um, a business owner, um, very successful recently, and we were talking about um, faith. He had gone on a getaway um, with us, um, a golfing getaway, just to open and talk about these hard questions. 
And we met a little bit after that. And in his story, he said, I'm trying to get back to the table with Jesus. And I asked him, what's hindering him? And he said, you just don't know how bad I've been in the past. And that's a story I find with a lot of people. And maybe that's where you are, that you're having pandemic blues or difficulty, but you may sort of be thinking it's happening because God's judging you and you feel separated. Well, Jesus doesn't separate from that leper, but pursues him and touches him and heals him. And there's an interesting part of the story where there were 10 different lepers he touched and healed. And God is attracted to our darkest, most unseemly parts of us. That was a physical disease, but there may be relationship. And I think what God's saying through Jesus is that, hey, I am attracted to those parts to bring healing. The The end of the story is that only one leper comes back and says, hey, Jesus, and he gives thanks to Jesus for healing him. And Jesus says, why not the other nine? And this little Lonnie says, you were healed because of your faith. And Jesus is lifting out the importance of trusting him. And uh, the basis for Thanksgiving for people that are going in really through really difficult th- times, and you may not want to celebrate Thanksgiving this year. You may just want to crawl in a hole, stay in bed, not be with family. But I hope you hear this one thing. The Bible proclaims a God that is with you in your darkest moments, your deepest holes, even if it's your own self that got you there. Um, And so that's the first group of people I'd want to speak to, those who are struggling in really difficult uh, times. What's the second group? Second group is, I think it's a more challenging group, and I've been here as well at times in my life, and those are what I would call the bored or the entitled. It's people who... They, they have so much capability, particularly us in the, wells, in the West. We have so much wealth, and that we work hard, we earn money, and we can really control our lives. We speak to Alexa, and the lights come on, and music plays, and our thermostats. Matter of fact, you know, we can drive into our driveway, and it senses our car, and everything can turn on, and the coffee maker can turn on or off. It's amazing, the world, and we have a sense of such power the sad thing is that we've lost a sense of wonder and, and thanksgiving, you know, back to Psalm 136, that God made all this, not us. The ability to earn money, money God has done. And whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, and you're, you're, got, you're somebody on the podcast today listening to check out what Christianity is about, I think Thanksgiving has a lot to speak in this. And that is that until we get to a place where we realize we're not the boss, we're not our God, and that it's one thing to be thankful because good things have happened and you have good things and you're excited about your new car or your promotion at your job. The problem is the next day, they're not so good. Like our football team, I go to Wake Forest University, about every 15 years we have a football team with a winning season and we have a really good season. <laughs> but here's the problem is that, Blaine, next season, they're not going to be this good. And it's the same thing when you get a new car and great gifts. They don't last. But... God is there. His love endures forever. It's, it's a gift that can never be taken away. And, and, and part of the story of Christianity is it puts us in a story to show that you can stop performing because God knows that even with wealth and money and success and all the trappings, which I'm not, the Bible didn't say those are bad things, we all are deeply needy and desperate. And it's been in those moments where you're really desperate that your heart is awakened to stop being bored. Like my little granddaughter, I need to stop and realize there's wondrous things 
but it's when we're often at our lowest points that we discover it, like mm-hmm. that leper um, coming back. And let me wrap up with the story I think that illustrates this. We were okay. on a, a family vacation when our kids were young, um, 15, 20 years ago at the beach, and it was great. And it was going well, but a lot of the vacation, I wasn't filled with wonder. Um, I probably was not bored, but just maybe a little bit entitled. And we had a beach vacation, but we'd done it so many years, but it was taking care of the kids. And I was playing with them, and I was enjoying it, but I I just didn't appreciate it like I had in the past. And we were at this beautiful place with my wife's parents. It was a gift to us. And we were playing with the kids. And Shortly after we arrived, one of our kids fell on a seashell, cut her leg open, and had to be taken to the emergency room, and I was put in charge of the other five, which I was a camp counselor, so that didn't feel like too many kids to cover, but we were making a sandcastle, about two or three of the kids, and I had them covered, um, and we were doing great, and I don't know how long it was, but I got into the sandcastle and playing with the kids, and it was great at that moment. And my, I hear a voice behind me, and it's my wife. And it was several hours later, so I was in the zone. And she said, hey, hon, how's it going? And I said, great. But it was her second question that changed everything for me. And it was, where is Sarah Maria, who was our eldest daughter? Uh-oh. And I will never forget that moment in my lifeline. And that was looking up and looking around and seeing that my daughter was gone. And I was responsible for losing her. And I had no idea at that moment where she was. And she knew how to swim, but she still was young and learning how to swim. And there were heavy undercurrents in the ocean that year. So I remember hopping up, telling my wife to stay there, hold the kid, the other five, and running down the beach one direction. And I ran about half of a mile, three-quarters of a mile, nothing. I came back to where my wife was, and now my heart beating, heavy adrenaline. Yeah. And I said, let me go the other direction. I remember jogging that mile down the beach the other direction and looking at the ocean, seeing if I could find my daughter's body, washed up or in the undertow. And I was thinking to myself, I was a pastor in a church at that time, that, oh my goodness, there's a good chance that the first funeral I'll ever do as a pastor will be for my own daughter. And that moment, that I think, illustrates what I'm talking about. To those that may be listening and you're, you're sort of bored with life and you've achieved everything, or maybe you just, you know, you're a little bit entitled and you've lost that sense of wonder and thanksgiving, and you're not excited about this thanksgiving, it may take a moment of what the Bible and and what Jesus shows us is that we all are like that moment was. We're desperately needy for something bigger than ourselves. And it was that moment, I I will never forget, I I went about a, a mile down the beach, I'd given up, I jogged back to my wife. And then I was about 100 yards away, and I saw, <laughs> I saw my wife and all of her kids, and they were dancing. And they come run up to me, and then I see my eldest daughter in the midst of them. In that moment, I never took my tits for, kids for granted after that. It was a moment that even as I recount the story, I'm filled with so much thankfulness to God that he was there with me. And I know for some people, your story is you didn't get the child or you didn't get your marriage saved, but his love endures forever. He's always good, and even when bad things happen, we can be thankful in this season. We're not alone. God is with us, pursuing us with goodness and mercy. Bill, thank you for sharing that. I can tell it's emotional for you, but it's a great story. It's a a great illustration of the point you were willing, wanting to make. So 
I think it's a great place to wrap up this episode. This has been it's been really enjoyable to think through this idea of Thanksgiving. I think no matter what anybody believes who's listening to this, you've given us great things to think about. And happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. I hope you enjoy it with Yo, your family. You're in Texas. Go look at the stars. Um, you got those uh, that, that beautiful family. Take some time to go back now and blame my Simon. Just go look at them and cherish them. Um, hold them in your arms this Thanksgiving. And and I know you don't watch football a whole lot, but will you watch some football for me? <laughs> you, man, look, you have to watch the Cowboys okay. on Thanksgiving. Good. That's been a tradition since as long as I can remember. So we've always watched the Cowboys. So we'll, awesome. we'll be doing that. And we're actually pretty good this year, so maybe we'll win. Yeah. <laughs> well, All right. That's awesome, Blaine. Have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, you too, Bill. And thanks, thanks to everybody for listening to the podcast. And uh, hey, if you enjoy the Search podcast, go uh, subscribe. Tell your friends about it, okay? Till next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.